Would you take your seats? I invite you to turn in your copies of God's holy and inspired word to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, we are going to look at verses 1 through 30 this morning as we reflect upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what that means for having secured for us an abundant life. Now what is said this evening is very purposefully designed to continue what we began discussing Friday evening at the Good Friday service. And so um, for those who were here, uh, I will have to repeat a little bit of it for those who were not. But for those who were here who remember what was said, listen to what we hear now from Jesus in John chapter 10 um, in light of what you heard Friday evening. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and, and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? 
At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for ears to hear Jesus this morning. And so as the life and ministry of our Savior is unfolded, as Jesus describes himself here in John chapter 10, help us to see and savor our Savior. Help us to be enriched by the depths of, of this description of a good shepherd who loves us and who knows us intimately and has purchased us through his death and has introduced us into eternal life through his resurrection. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This image of Jesus here as the good shepherd is, is not a new image to most of us. Many of us have, uh, are familiar with the phrase, the good shepherd. Many of us are familiar with Psalm 23. Even if you don't attend church regularly, you have attended a funeral or a memorial service where more than likely Psalm 23 was read during that service. It is, uh, it is an image that is a very well-known image. But that image doesn't just come from Jesus here in John chapter 10. It doesn't even originate with David in Psalm 23, but this image of the good shepherd is part of the original hope of God's people throughout the entirety of redemptive history. Do you know who the first person was in the scripture to use this, this uh, description of God as the shepherd? Well, if you're thinking, Jacob, you're right. Jacob in Genesis 48, as he is describing the goodness of God to him in his life, uh, he, he says, God is the one who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. The one who was known as a liar, the one who was known as a cheater, the one who cheated his brother out of his heritage and uh, uh, he is the one who God came to and did not leave him in his obstinacy. He did not leave him in the hardness of his deception. God is a shepherd because he goes out and he finds his sheep and he calls them 
to himself, and then he takes them through life. Jacob here is celebrating his God as a loving shepherd who seeks straying sheep to bring them home and to care for them. God is a restoring shepherd. But this image of shepherd also would have been an image that would have caused the people of God to to step back and to be arrested in whatever moment they would have been in because Ezekiel 34 sets forth a very specific vision of the need for a good shepherd because God's people are languishing under the leadership of bad shepherds. Bad shepherds who were called by God to to love and to care for God's people instead have become those who are fleecing God's sheep. They are taking advantage of them. They are using them. They lead them in order to get something from them rather than leading them to serve them and help them enter into the fullness of what God has for them. They are bad shepherds. In fact, as bad shepherds, they are called wolves. So not only are they not protecting the sheep from the wolves that are outside, they have become wolves themselves. And God tells them that he is going to give them a new shepherd. One who is going to be a a son of King David. God here is a warrior shepherd who rescues and protects his sheep from danger and secures for them safety and peace. Zechariah 13. So not just in terms of prior to the people of God being going into the Babylonian captivity, where the people thought that the messianic hope had, had perished, But even after the Babylonian captivity, as the people of God are back in the land, and yet they are still living under uh, the the foreign armies, as they are still living under foreign governments, as they are still not experiencing the abundant life that God had promised, they are told in Zechariah 13 that there is a shepherd who will come who will be struck. And the shepherd in being struck will be a shepherd who will bring about repentance, refinement, and restoration for God's people. He is a self-sacrificing shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep. And once again, the one who is going to come and and who is going to be this shepherd is not just going to be a son of King David, but he is going to be a son of Governor Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor overseeing the people of God once they were back in the land of Judea. And guess what? Zerubbabel was in the lineage of David. Zerubbabel, by being the governor, even though they're living under foreign powers, having a son of David as governor there in the land is showing that the messianic hope is still alive. A shepherd is still going to come. And so through Jacob, through David, through Zerubbabel, a good shepherd 
The messianic hope of the people of God is promised who will come. And you thought genealogies were boring and insignificant and lists you just had to get through in your reading your Bible through in a year plan. Matthew 1, as the genealogy of Jesus Christ is unfolded, we are told that Jesus is in the line of Jacob, Matthew 1, 2. Jesus is in the line of David, Matthew 1, 1 and 1, 6. Jesus is in the line of Zerubbabel, Matthew 1, 12 and 13. When Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. This is not just a pleasant, helpful metaphor. This is the fulfillment of long-awaited hope and expectation. Because you and I, we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd not only because there are going to be bad leaders and there have been bad leaders in the church. It is not only because of that, but it is especially because of that that we are told over and over, do not put your hope in human leadership. Do not put your hope in princes is a line that you will read over and over throughout the book of Psalms. Do not place your hope in men who are sinners like you. Because the reason we need a shepherd is because you and I are those who in and of ourselves have sinned have fallen short of the glory of God and who have died in that sin. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. And an even greater threat to you is not just bad leadership and it's not just the sin that is in bad leadership. Beloved, it is sin that is in your own heart. It is the sin that still resides in every one of us. And because of that sin, we have been plunged into death already. Now, you may be sitting here thinking, well, what are you talking about? I'm standing upright. I'm walking around. I'm using words. People notice me. So I can't be a, you know, maybe I'm a ghost. I don't know. But I, I, I don't seem to be dead. I don't, I'm not laying down in the grave. And that is true. But the effects of sin and death are all around us. Injustice is such an obvious presentation of sin and death in this world. The way that people use one another. The way that people abuse power by the power being used to take even more from the powerless. 
the way that sin and death will, 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 will spread itself through harsh words, the way that it spreads itself through harsh actions as, as the power of those who abuse it often gets played out in war. We are so familiar with that right now, are we not? where the sin of, of someone is being put on full display as others are suffering under the weight of the effects of that sin and death as people are actually dying because of that sin manifesting itself in injustice. There is a lack of kindness. There is an utter and complete lack of humility in this world. Our culture is one that is built on the concept of pride, arrogance. It is silly, we are told, to, to, to be humble. It is silly to consider others better than yourselves because if you do that in an unjust world, what happens? You get taken advantage of and you get further hurt. And so not only are you wrestling with the pain within your own heart, you are wrestling with the effects of others as they will take advantage of you. You take advantage of others, others take advantage of you. Do you see what is happening? Sin has plunged us into this situation where sin and death are all around us. And Friday night, as we looked and read through the account, the unfolding account of, of the narrative of Jesus going from his arrest, through his betrayal, through his mocking, through the injustice of being tried by wicked men as one in whom there was no wickedness, as he goes step by step by step, entering to the cross itself where our sin is placed upon him, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we said Friday night, the reason there is such detail in that suffering is not so that leaders can beat you over the head with it. Well, look how much Jesus suffered, and you can't even come to Sunday school. I've heard that said. Look how much Jesus suffered, and you can't even sit still for a whole service. Heard that one a lot. And it was, it was, it was earned. It was fair. You say this to yourselves when you're struggling or wrestling with something. Well, look what Jesus did. Why can't I fill in the blank? So often the suffering of Jesus is used to beat you or others over the head, and that's not why the detail of the suffering is revealed. The detail is revealed so that whatever you and I experience, whether it's the result of our own sin or whether it's the result of someone sinning against us, there is no effect of sin that you can experience that when you experience that you don't see a sign there where Jesus says, been here, and it was awful. but I paid for it. And you are redeemed right here. Some of you have experienced more of the effects of sin and death than others in this room. 
And what is beautiful here, beloved, is that there is no one in this room that has gone to a depth that Jesus hasn't gone. The detail is unfolded for you so that you can have the confidence of knowing that there is nothing you experience in this world where Jesus hasn't already been there and paid for it and it is now completely taken care of. Why do we need a shepherd? Because, beloved, our sin and the sins of others plunge us into sin and misery and the valley of the shadow of death. But you do not go there by yourself. Because Jesus is the one who doesn't just lead you through green fields and next to babbling brooks. He is the one who has gone before you into death itself and into every form of suffering that can be experienced. How often do we, like Jesus on the cross, and in the process of Jesus going to the cross, find ourselves powerless before men who are using that power to hurt when they think that they're using it for good. I was reminded just recently, do you, do you remember what the last miracle of Jesus was? It was healing the ear of an enemy who had the ear cut off by a well-intending disciple thinking that Jesus needed to be defended in the moment. And so often we, beloved, not only do we experience other men's sins against us, so often we perpetrate sin by thinking that Jesus needs us to defend him so we'll cut off an ear in the process. Beloved, what you need and what I need and what every sinner needs is love and grace and mercy and justice and kindness. And Jesus says that he is the good shepherd that has finally arrived within redemptive history who is going to be the shepherd who uh, seeks his sheep and finds them and brings them to himself. He says that he is going to be the warrior shepherd who is going to rescue and protect his sheep from danger and secure them in safety and peace. He says that he is going uh, to be the self-sacrificing shepherd who is going to lay down his life for his sheep. He is the nurturing shepherd who leads his people through the valley of the shadow of death into the heavenly pastures of feasting upon heavenly realities in the house of his father forevermore. 
when Jesus comes as the good shepherd, the work that he is doing, it has to culminate in his resurrection from the dead. And he tells us ahead of time, I will lay it down and I will take it back up because I love my sheep. And I want my sheep to experience the abundant life that can only be found through relationship through me with my heavenly father. The resurrection, beloved, is not just a historical fact that we're supposed to argue for. It is a historical fact that has introduced the abundant life to us even now. As we patiently endure the ongoing presence of sin in our own lives and the ongoing presence of sin in, in, the, in the world around us, as we patiently wait for Jesus to be the shepherd who seeks all of his sheep, not only those who were with him at the time, but sheep that are not of his fold yet, as there are more sheep that are yet to come, as Jesus is calling and he is calling and he is calling sinners out of darkness and into the abundant life of the resurrection. Jesus is there to call us because he loves us. He knows us. Beloved, he knows every single need in the depths of your souls that many of you are afraid to even admit to yourself. The darkness that is there. Whether it's the darkness that's coming from you or if it's the darkness that is there because you have experienced others' sin against you. But I've lost family. Jesus was betrayed by his. Jesus lost his friend Lazarus, and he wept over that. But then he died and raised from the dead in order to cover the sins of his family who betrayed him and to cover the effects of death that had taken his friend. But I'm struggling with, with this, this sin that you don't know about, this, this addiction that you don't know about as, as I sit in front of my computer or as I'm watching things or as I'm engaging in this private life that you don't know about where there is this darkness and I don't know what to do. Well, what you do is you listen to the voice of Jesus because it is there. And he, has, he wants you to come out of that and experience the abundant life that is for you even now. You don't know the things that I have done in your past. Jesus does, and he paid for it. But so often I feel like I'm being surrounded by, by people or surrounded by things and they're attacking me and they're mocking me. Yes, they probably are. Jesus has been there and he has redeemed you there. And he will shepherd you through that experience into the abundant life of knowing his Father and being fed and nurtured by your Savior. I've lost loved ones. 
I've lost a job. I've hurt people. I've been hurt. There is scandalous sin. Beloved, there is nothing that Jesus hasn't paid for. And you do not have to walk through that on your own. Because Jesus has gone there as a good shepherd to love you there and to redeem you there, to feed you there, and to protect you in order to bring you out of that as he shepherds you through the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you here are wrestling with doubts. Some of you here are wrestling with the loss of hope. Some of you here are going through the motions of following God but feeling numb. Some of you are following Jesus and smiling and you feel like a million bucks. The thing is, every one of us are in a different place from from one another in terms of the effects of sin that we're wrestling with, and yet at the same time, we are absolutely at one in Christ as the work of the shepherding Christ has drawn us into the palm of his hand together. And as we, in Christ, have been drawn into the Father's hand forever. There is real sin. There is real darkness. But there is a good shepherd who has come. Who has laid down his life because he loves you. And he has taken that life back up in order to give you abundant life in him. If this is not a savior that you know, then listen for his voice. And as he calls to you, be willing to humble yourself before him and let go of self-control. Let go of trying to manipulate life on your own. Let go of of trying to establish your own rules and your own meaning. And listen for the good shepherd who finds his sheep, who calls them to himself. And all he asks of you is to trust what he has already done and to receive by free grace an eternal inheritance of abundant life, eating and fellowshipping with the triune God and with all God's people in God's house forevermore. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, the work of Jesus Christ is so often too amazing because it is so thorough and it is so complete There is nothing that has been left undone. There is no sin that has not been paid. There is no debt that has not been experienced. And he now lives in the resurrection as our heavenly high priest who is able to save to the uttermost. And who is able to empathize with us in our sin, in our pain, in our 
death. And yet as he trusted you through the process where he went from why have you forsaken me to into your hands I place my spirit. Lord, help us to place our spirits into your hands as well and to trust you as as we walk through this valley of the shadow of death looking for the fullness of the new creation that has been introduced in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and yet will come in its fullness when he comes again. Lord, give us faith. Give us belief. Because we, we do believe, Lord, and yet we need help with our unbelief. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.